Welcome back to the Pesky Report. This is episode 277 of the Pesky Report, brought to you by Beyond the Monster. My name is Derek. I'm once again here with Jake and Hunter, and we've got another Hunter with us, uh, coincidentally. Um, Hunter Dobbins, Red Sox minor league pitcher, is joining us. Uh, I'll start off first, go straight to you, Hunter. Hunter Dobbins. Uh, it's going to be a little bit weird here, uh, as I know our Hunter has been saying that for like the last week. It's going to be really weird. Uh, you but could just call me Noel or How's... something. Just Noel. Come up with a bad <laughs> name. How, how you doing? What's you know, your last week been like? I know we're hitting the all-star break um, for the big leagues. How are you feeling? Feeling good. Uh, you know, just enjoying the time off, uh, kind of, especially in season. It's rare you get more than one day off in a row. So, going to play some golf and let the body bounce back and get ready for uh, a little playoff push. No, definitely. I think that's you know, always fun to have some time off, um, especially that little break sometimes help guys rejuvenate. Um, first things first, I want to open the floor to the rest of the guys, let them get some of their questions out. I'll go to Jake first. What do you so, have, so, Yeah, so Hunter, so uh, thanks very much for coming on and, and chatting with us. Um, it's exciting to have you on. I think that there's been a lot of really interesting pitching prospects in the system this year that have taken leaps forward that have um that have uh that have maybe beat expectations a little bit i would definitely say that you're you're one of those um and i think the first question that i have for you is you got uh bumped up from greenville to salem this year or sorry from greenville to portland this year and can you tell us, like, we always hear a lot about how the jump from single A to double A is like a pretty significant jump. And you, you've you only been there for a few weeks, but can you talk about what that transition's been like? Obviously, this probably a, a big part of it is moving from Greenville, South Carolina to Portland, Maine, uh, having grown up and spent my entire life in New England. I know it's it's a big, it's I'm sure it's a big culture difference. Um but then just also you're adjusting to a, a new level of competition. Can you just walk us through a little bit like what the last few weeks have been like since you moved up from moved up from Greenville to Portland? Um, it's been pretty crazy. Uh, you know, obviously, like you said, the move from South Carolina up here to Maine is a total culture shock. Um, this is my first time ever being in the New England area. So I'm getting getting my feet wet, kind of. Getting used to it. Um, I love the area up here, though. Other than the fact that it rains so much, it's that's. It's uh, not. It's it's not typical. I I promise you, it's not like this all the time. It's been a very strange summer in New England. I'll, I promise you. But well, that's good to know. <laughs> uh, on the field wise, uh, it definitely was a big jump. I mean, you're going from guys that are kind of future prospects to the guys who are developing to you know that are. You know, trying to obviously work their way up to, you know, when you get to double A, you're always told that you're really one phone call away from the bigs. I mean, you're playing guys that are expected to be big leaguers at some point. Um, they don't swing as much out of the zone. You got to learn how to beat uh, the hitters in the zone, get more swing and misses. Um, that's I think that's been one of the biggest challenges is learning how to land that strike three call in the zone and not, you know, in, in high, you could throw three curveballs in the dirt once you go two, and they're going to swing at one of them. It's, they just can't help themselves where you get up here, you go two and try that same mentality. They're going to take all three and now you're kind of in a bind. Yeah. I'd, I'd definitely say the level of hitter and all around teams is, is definitely a massive jump. Yeah, right, and uh, right, kind of kind of building off what uh, Jake was just asking you there, um, you had a late start to the season, and uh, then you only had seven starts, forty-one innings in high A. Was it surprising to you that they called you up that quickly? And how did that conversation go? Um, yeah, it was actually pretty cool. Um, you know, Coffee had been absolutely dealing down there for a while. Um, it was fun to watch him pitch and they actually called us into the office at the same time. And so as soon as they, they walked in the locker room, they asked me where he was. I was like, oh, I'll go get him. And they're like, all right, you come in there with him. I, I immediately knew he was getting called up. I definitely thought I was just kind of getting the, Hey, he's moving up. You're going to slide up a day. Yeah. And this is the new schedule. Uh, but he kind of 
Oh, Iggy gave us the uh, the manager of Greenville kind of gave us the the go around of, hey, you know, y'all are doing a great job. Keep it up. We're gonna give y'all some rest. Y'all's next start is gonna be on this day. And then he looked at coffee. He goes, but yours isn't gonna be with us. And kind of told him that way that he's going up. And they turned and looked at me. He goes, now you, you know, obviously that throws your schedule off. You know, it's we're gonna have to find out what's going on because you're going with them <laughs> and that was uh, we both kind of looked at each other and it, it was a pretty cool moment uh i've gotten pretty close with him so yeah. just kind of share that moment with him was was really cool as i've made the nickname for uh the coffee man just that that's it it's, and also too we also have cutter coffee who's in low a um so we got two coffee men in our system pretty cool um but I do want to ask you, because this year you have had a very solid year. You are two years removed from Tommy John surgery, had it in 2021, which is your draft year. Uh, what is the difference between pitching last year, just coming back from Tommy John, and then this year being another year removed from it, having uh, you know the whole offseason to maybe work through some things? Uh, what's the difference between the two years? I definitely say last year it was more of a trying to prove it mentally to myself that I was physically healed. You know, you can go through the rehab, you go through all this, and you know that, you know, physically you're fine. You can do it. But after you've had the that one pitch that your elbow does pop, it takes a, a little bit to mentally get over that. Um, I'd say the difference this year is I'm finally back to pre-surgery mentality. Like this, what I'm doing this year is, I mean, this is me. This is, I'm, I'm rolling. I have no doubts about it. I am just all like full head of steam going at it. Where last year, I feel like it was kind of more 75%, kind of just trying to stay healthy and get back into it. Can, can I just want to ask off of that, like you've had, I was looking at your stats, you know, and, and games pitched and stuff like that the last few years. And I kind of noticed that you haven't had like a normal season in a long time for various different reasons. Like you have, you're in college in 2020, the pan pandemic, or, or, you, you know, your freshman year is the year before 2020, the pandemic shuts everything down. 2021, you get hurt. You have to have Tommy John that, and then you're working your way back last year. And even I wanted to ask you about this year, the fact that you didn't get into a game in Greenville until may 7th um and that was after you had come back and pitched last year in in salem what was that uh what was the that plan for you did you kind of know going into the off season that maybe your plan was going to be maybe a little bit different coming off of the tommy john and trying to work up to pitch in a in a what you would be kind of your first really full season pitching in a while did you kind of know that that was going to be the plan that they were going to ramp you up a little bit more slowly. Um, how did that work uh, out? No. So it actually wasn't the plan at all. Um, I came into spring training. Uh, I was actually one of the kind of early reports um, got rolling and about seven to 10 days, right at the end of the early camp, I actually got sick and I was down for about two to three weeks. I couldn't throw or anything. Um, and so we okay. finally got that out the way. It's kind of like a weird fluke deal. Uh, got it taken care of. Uh, and then while I was doing that, I kind of used it as an opportunity to really pack on some strength uh, on the lower body and upper body. Um, I think I ended up gaining like 10 pounds in that month where I just had like this w weird bonus time with the strength coaches. Um, and then I was able, once I was fully cleared, ramped up and then that's when you saw me head to Greenville. I see. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I had, I knew that or that that was out there that you had been not well. And that was part of why, yeah. how he ended up getting pushed back, but go ahead, Hunter. I was just going to say, I don't think I've gained 10 pounds since like my junior year of high school. So I'd love to know how you did that. <laughs> it's like you and you and uh, you and Drohan Hunter, like, like we're the people that packed on the pounds. It sounds like in the off season. <laughs> yeah. I think I just got lucky that I was in that, kind of that my body was ready to take that next jump yeah because uh, it was like i was lifting i was doing my normal routine and then out of nowhere i just felt like i was like you know what i feel good let's throw another 25 pounds on oh let's throw another 
a 45-pound plate on it. I was like – and just kept on going and just exploded it over the that month. Yeah. And you said uh, that you were – earlier you were talking about like the, the – there was a, the physical hurdle and then the mental hurdle. Uh, was there a point where that mental hurdle – like is there a, a point that stands out to you where that mental hurdle kind of went away where like – I don't know if it was a specific workout or a day you were pitching – uh, where like it just kind of lit a fire under your ass and you were like, all right, I'm back. Like there was no more worry after the elbow or. Um, I'd say it was more of the off season. Uh, I finally, you know, I got through the first two and a half, three months. I think I pitched in Salem and I was able to look back and I was like, there were some really good times when I wasn't thinking about everything and I was yeah. just pitching. And that was that stretch of, I want to say there's like four starts that I didn't give up an earned run or something like that, or maybe it was like one. And I was like, man, those were the times I, I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just pitching. And I was like, you know what? This is the day I'm I'm not going to think about it. I'm healed. I'm ready to go. I've earned it. Let's just go get it and turn the brain off. And since that day, it was probably right around December um, after I got married and I was actually able to look back on the season uh, that I was like, you know what? We're just going to attack this next year and just roll with it. Yeah. yeah definitely. I, I think, you know, we all believe here. I think baseball baseball's very mental. It's a very mental game, right? You have all the physical capabilities, but if your mind's not in it, you know, you're not going to play to the best of your abilities. Obviously, it seems like that mental you know, kind of change uh, has, has made a big effect on your performance. Um, and now that you're in double-A and – there's been a lot of guys kind of moving from Greenville to double-A this year. It feels like it's not just you that's going. It feels like the whole – I mean, almost feels like the whole minor league is almost clicking on a different level here uh, this year. What is it like – I mean, Greenville was doing very well when you're there. Portland's been doing very well this year. What is it like to be on a team that's – especially with a group of pitchers that feels like almost everyone's playing well? What does that kind of feel like? Uh, it's, not, it's a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, when you're winning, the clubhouse is – really light everybody's having fun enjoying it um i mean greenville absolutely amazing group of guys uh you know i i'll say like college baseball the team atmosphere is normally a lot closer just because you know it's one team one goal let's go get it we're minors you're yes you're one team one goal but you're also trying to get promotion yeah and I, that's one thing I'll say this year that I've experienced is like these two teams I've been a part of are just as close of, as any college team I've been on. We're all like, yes, we're still working for promotions, but every single guy in this locker room is playing for the guy standing next to him. And I believe that's why our whole system's really having success is because I feel like the whole uh, farm as a, as a group has really kind of taken on that mentality. Yeah, it, it sounds to me like there's a really core group of guys. And I asked you that I asked you the question before about the transition from Greenville to Portland. I'm assuming that the fact that you have that there's a lot of guys that you played with in Greenville earlier this year, and maybe guys that you even played in the Salem last year, and it's and that and they've made the jump up to double A this year. And I mean I could lift off the names. It's guys like Meyer and Hickey and and C T and and uh, all these guys that have that you know have uh, have have made this jump, and and there's going to be scoops. Hunter Knoll over here broke some news yeah. over the weekend about some more guys that are going to be coming up uh, pretty soon. That's got to be a big help in terms of that transition. Is that you have familiar faces and and, and guys that can help you out, uh, right? That's got to be that's got to be huge. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I think we're up to about like eight guys that I played with in Greenville or that are now up here. Um, but I mean, I'll say one thing is even in spring training, all of the uh, like double AA, A, triple A, obviously not big league guys. Cause they're over there on the other side of the stadium doing, doing their thing. Um, but like all of us, double A high triple A guys are all in the same locker room. So we all get really close through spring training anyways. So it makes the transitions pretty easy and pretty smooth. And I, I'll say about uh, I was following Hunter on uh, Twitter this weekend because he dropped the the hint that he had some pretty big news, and someone underneath this tweet uh, 
replied with Dobby, which is my nickname. And it was like question marks. And I was like, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, man, does, does Noel know something that I don't? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what is I'm not that good yet. <laughs> I was like, this guy's got real inside sources. Yeah. Well, it's, it, yeah. I mean, it is, <laughs> that was, I saw that tweet too. And I'm like, he knows that he knows that Hunter Dobbins just just got promoted to Portland and he's pitched well, but I don't know if he's <laughs> I don't know if he's on the yeah. move to, to 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 Worcester already. But uh, I was gonna say I, three starts and moving. I was like, and you I were I mean, guy. you know, you had a great start last time out too. So you know, you never know. I I wanted to just I wanted to ask just quickly also about um, this season and some of the changes and the improvements that we've seen from you. And I think the thing that gets talked about a lot. And I wanted to ask you about is the introduction of a new pitch that you've you've started throwing this year this in the splitter, and um, you've gotten a lot of swings and misses on it. It's been a super effective pitch for you. Can you walk us through um, the process of how you developed that pitch, or if it was it a pitch that you had thrown in your past that you brought back? Was it something the team suggested? Um, was it something that you suggested that you're like, no, like I want this, like it's a fourth pitch for you, which is, which even for a starter is a lot. Um, mm-hmm. just walk us through how that, how that, uh, all went down. So after the season, uh, in Salem last year, and I, I was throwing more of a circle change. Uh, it's never been a super comfortable pitch for me, uh, just cause I am a supination biased pitcher which is why i have that riding cut fastball i throw slider pretty well um i just i couldn't pronate very well on a circle change it actually uh was causing some elbow and some shoulder soreness not pain but i mean my arm just didn't want to go that way yeah um so they actually sent me up to driveline in seattle for i think i was there for like three or four days and i worked with uh matthew cress up there and he's like he's like have you ever thrown a splitter and i was like yeah back in high school and my freshman year of college and then we switched um and he's like you'd you'd probably benefit from it so we started working out there then i talked to the red sox guys and i was like hey this is a lot more comfortable my arm feels great like i have no pain at all like can we run with this and they said, absolutely, let's do it. Let's get some numbers on it. And we've actually figured out now to where it's, uh, the grip that I'm throwing with is actually a grip that uh, that we have a pitching coach named uh, Ralph, and he actually taught Greg Maddox how to throw his splitter. And so it's a great guy to learn. I've heard. It's a decent guy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's pretty good. And, uh, heard might before. have heard of him before. <laughs> and so uh, – We've, we've gotten that grip pretty comfortable, and we actually – the numbers on it are pretty cool because uh, I'm throwing basically knuckleballs at that mid to upper 80s, sometimes low 80s. Um, and it's just kind of, for some reason, doesn't spin out of my hand, and it has that weird kind of dancing movement. But I'm still able to consistently throw it pretty hard, and so it's it's been uh, complementing the other pitches really well. Yeah, uh, we we talked to Christopher Troy a couple weeks ago, and he was telling us about uh, how much the Red Sox have been utilizing like analytics and and the numbers and really going behind it with the with the pitch grips figure and everything out. Is there something that they've tweaked for you this year with like the fastball or anything? Like, what what do you think the that has helped with the most for you this year? Um, I'd probably say the splitter and the slider. Um... Slider last year was kind of 83, 84. I wouldn't say a sweeper because I could never get it to turn as much as I wanted. Um, but this year we figured out that actually, speaking of Chris Troy, would benefit from a slider similar to his, um, where he has more numbers-wise. It's kind of We call it a gyro slider. And it, it's more of like a 0-0, zero, zero, really firm, and has a real sharp drop. Um, I've, I've been able to get mine from 83, 84. Now it's 87 to 90 and it's shorter, more of a, more of a cutter that just doesn't ride as much. Yeah. And, uh, at that velo, it's been, it plays really well with my fastball. Cause now they got to worry about the ride and cut and now also almost like a sinking cut. 
Uh, definitely. And that, that's you know, another great thing. Um, I do want to go back to the splitter, though. Splitter's been, throughout my life, my favorite pitch. I used to throw a splitter when I was in, like, Little League because I hated throwing curveballs because every coach wanted you to throw a curveball. So I'm just like, no, I'm throwing a splitter. Screw you. Um, but it's nice to see. you got another Red Sox, someone in the Red, another person in the Red Sox system pick, picking up a splitter. Um, what has been – I know for me, learning a splitter when I was younger was hard changing grips and whatever – did you just kind of find a grip and stick with it? Um, or did it take a different few adjustments before you did find that grip that you liked? Um, it took a couple. Uh, you know, it's been very minor tweaks. Uh, I've been kind of grip it like a two-seam and then just spread my fingers out as far as I can comfortably. Um, thankfully, genetics-wise, I got pretty big hands, so I can get pretty wide. And that's what gives me that knuckleball look. Um, yeah, it's been more... The, more of the change has been, like, where to put the pressure. Um, like, if I want to make it run arm side, do I put more pressure here? If I want to kind of look, almost mirror my curveball a little bit more firm, do it here, which I actually have gotten a few. Uh, our development guys kind of have a hard time with it because I will cut it and it will look exactly like my curveball. But for some reason, it be at 85 and so it's it's almost like it's two pitches in one when it kind of moves differently. But yeah, that's kind of those pressure changes have been huge. Yeah, like I know so, you Darvish just said like his splitter can do like three different things. So like I think that is a big advantage of it. Absolutely. So so you mentioned Hunter about your uh, the genetics and you, so your your dad was uh, was a pitcher at Alabama. And, a, and he had a pro career as well. Um, I, let's let's like take a step back a little bit. Like in your 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 development, did you because of your dad's background and because of what he did, was it kind of like inevitable that you were going to be a pitcher? Was it what you always wanted to be? Were there as a youth, were there like other positions you played or other other spots you maybe thought about wanting to? Would, but like at the end, it kind of was always going to be you were a pitcher, or, or how did that? How did you develop uh, before you got to like? By, by the time you got into like high school, um, I was always a uh, more of a position player first. Um, I was I, I was actually a catcher and wanted to do that for uh, at the next level in high school until I tore my ACL playing football. Then squatting back there for seven innings didn't feel too great. <laughs> Uh, so then I moved to third base, um, and I actually went to Tech as a third baseman and pitcher. Uh, but positionally, I was behind Josh Young, who's now in the All-Star game. So our coach kind of said, hey, you're probably not going to play a lot of third base. I was like, yeah, probably could have told you that myself. Um, and so I still played outfield, uh, like in their squads, kind of kept swinging the bat. Um Played summer ball as a infielder, and then all of a sudden I came back on campus after my freshman year, and that's when I had my velo jump to 94-95. And I was like, hey, this is where you're going to get paid. This is where you're going to make your money. We should probably focus on that. And I was like, all right. Obviously, not the most willing person at first, but I agreed to it, and I'd say it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, you mentioned uh, uh, Texas Tech, and obviously the the draft is happening right now. Uh, you were an eighth round pick in twenty twenty one. What was that like for you? Like, because there's so many different things that go into it. Obviously, there's the sitting and waiting, not knowing when you're going to get drafted, what team's going to take you. What was the reaction when you got picked? Like, how did that call go? Um, it was honestly, it was bittersweet in a way, uh, just because of having Tommy John and all that still being picked in the eighth, it kind of was like, man, if I was healthy, yeah, I could have yeah. been a lot higher. Um, but kind of the cool story was, you know, I had a list of two teams that if I was drafted after a certain round that I'd still say yes to. And the Red Sox were one of them. And so when they called uh, and they, they even, they gave me a little bit over slot. Uh, I was like, absolutely, let's do this. You know, the player development, the medical side, like I want to, I'm all in. Let's let's rock, like let's roll. Yeah. Um, 
it was a lot of fun. You know, my dad was a diehard Red Sox fan his entire life. So that also <laughs> kind of made it come full circle. Uh, and just, you know, whenever you see the the Boston area code pop up on your phone on draft day, it's unlike anything else. I definitely think that would have to be special. Um, and I know, I know uh, we, we talk about Hunter different with the draft, but I do want to go back to you saying that you were a catcher. So when we had Christopher Troy on, one of the things he used to be a catcher. So I, I asked him this question. I'll ask it to you. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a the, the pretense I gave Christopher Troy, where it was, you know, and you look at sports like football, which you played quarterback, wide receiver, quarterbacks who go to wide receiver, like we've seen, seen with the Patriots with uh, Julian Edelman. Seemingly they have, a, you know, the mind to, they played the other position. So they, they had an advantage for you previously being a catcher. Now you're pitching. Do you think it gives you a little bit of an advantage of you've been behind the plate before in just the mind of being a catcher? Do you think you have an, a little bit of an advantage from that? Um, possibly. I've honestly never really thought about it. Uh, you know, as being a former college hitter, um, I always try to think, in the mind of a hitter, uh, you know, I don't have the the typical, all right, I'm a pitcher. My stuff's just nastier than yours. I'm just coming at you with whatever I want. Um, I try to, I try to think my way through in that bat. Um, I will definitely say that our catchers at this level, uh, I think in three games, I've shaken two different pitch once or twice. It's like the, our guys we're it's so scouted and game plan is so solid that I'm like, listen, we'll put down a finger and I'll throw it. I was like, let's just roll. Um, and I think both times that I've, uh, shaken were it was an O2 and they wanted a, a breaking ball. And I just wanted to try to throw a fastball by a guy, more of an ego challenge than anything. How'd those work out for you? Uh, I'm one for two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one was a punch out, and one was actually in my last inning, last start. Uh, I went fastball, fastball, and blew both of them right by the guy, and then I pegged him with the next one. <laughs> uh, so you could say you're two for two. Yeah, I mean, at least he, <laughs> he, he had to think about it as he went down because I think it was uh, one of my hardest throws of the day at like 97-something. So he at least yeah. earned it a little bit. <laughs> so, like, you know – Tonight, you have you, know, you have this week off. You said you're going to be playing some golf this week. Like on the nights like Monday nights when there's usually not a not a a, a game uh, for you. Are you watching? You know MLB. Are you are you like what are you do What do you do with with the uh, the free time that you actually like you actually have during the season like this? Um, I try to watch at least a little bit of baseball. Um, if there's a a big name pitcher like if Bayo's throwing if. Uh, you know, Evaldi, any of the big name guys that just dominate or throwing, I want to watch their games. I want to be like, all right, how are they attacking hitters? I want, I want to pick it up a little bit. Uh, I normally try to watch one or so, uh, then get baseball off the mind. Uh, big, uh, big video game guy, uh, trying to get off of it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but also, I've uh, been doing more of reading, which is really weird to me because I never <laughs> thought I'd be a reader. Uh, but just kind of trying to unplug from everything for a while uh, and just kind of disassociate with the stresses of the lifestyle. So, le- so let me ask you a, a question based off of that. Is that some, some CT influence there? Like, is he, was he, was he like, Hey man, you got to start reading. <laughs> cause no, he's, he's, str- cause he's a big reader. <laughs> I'm not going to give him the credit for that one. As, you know, I will say that I, uh, I do have a pair of Jordans sitting in my locker now because of him. Uh, but I'm not going to give him the credit and the satisfaction of him knowing that uh, I started reading because of him. So I literally, I had the la- I was going to save this for the end, but I was, this was the question that I was going to ask. I was going to say, have you asked Christopher Troy for a financial advice, B book recommendations or C philosophers to read? <laughs> I have not, but so uh, I lived with him when we first got drafted. Okay. They put us in the hotel together and I would 
there, every now and then I kind of poke the bear a little bit just to listen to him talk. Uh, I'd hit him with some big life question. And all of a sudden, I'd catch myself forty-five minutes. Down yeah, the road. You, yeah. You just <laughs> you just buried going. yourself. Now you're now you're sitting there listening. Yep. And it was always the worst because, like, I'd ask him some question that I knew the answer to, and then he'd go on this just big old spiel, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "Well, I don't know anymore." I was like, <laughs> "I'm like, now I got to rethink it." And I, I love that guy to death. Oh, though. he's the he's the best. We so we've only we've only done two player interviews so far this year. You're the second one. The first one was was uh, was CT, and we just uh, it was it was an awesome conversation. And it's I can imagine him just being like somebody that like I would I would have loved like I felt like we could have talked to him for another like we talked to him for over an hour. We could have talked to him for at least another another hour about stuff that had nothing to do with baseball. Uh, but uh but yeah that's that's cool and yeah and it's again that's another one of those guys that like you're you're down and you're in greenville and you come up here and and he's here um so that must have been pretty cool also absolutely and he's got sorry go ahead anytime i can be around that guy i want to be um you know it was was funny when when we first got drafted and i got to the hotel down there they're like yeah hey like chris troy's your roommate i was like uh, i knew his name, I didn't know where he was from. And all of a sudden, I, me being from West Texas, all of a sudden I looked at it and I'm like, California. I'm like, ah, no. I was like, like, they put two total opposite personalities in this room. And for some reason, it just worked perfectly. Yeah, like, yeah, that's a that's a, an interesting thing is like you being, you know, for, and it goes with everybody. Like you're from Texas. Like there's, you got guys from all, not just all over the country, but all over the world. And, um, you know, you're playing with guys like like Edinson Paulino and Brian Bonacy and these other guys, too. And, you know, Louis, you know, Luis Guerrero. And, uh, you know, he has a very interesting background story. He's a guy that grew up that was born, I believe, in the Dominican, but grew up in Boston. And, um, you know, it's it's just got to be illuminating and interesting to get to spend time with people and, and understand and see their perspectives in a way that like you probably otherwise you wouldn't you really wouldn't have if it wasn't for the game of baseball. Absolutely. Uh, that's the game of baseball, especially minor leagues. I would say is probably the biggest melting pot of uh, cultures out there. I mean, if you want to learn about how other people live and how they act, just look at the group of minor league baseball players because you have thirty different lifestyles, but every single person in there will have each other's back and is there to be part of one unit. And it's just, it's, it's kind of, it's awesome to be around and see how just, just how well everybody works together. Uh, just to, to rewind a little bit, you were saying you're a, a big video game person. So two part question. One, what are, what are the main games for you? And two, is there, are there teammates that you play with a lot specific games or anything? Um, Call of Duty and MLB The Show are the my main two. Um, M- I wasn't an MLB The Show guy until uh, my character got put in there, <laughs> and so that's just pre- kind of pretty cool to to use. And it's my guy's nasty, even though he's only like a sixty six overall or something like that. Um, he does have a pitch that I don't even throw though, so I <laughs> my head on that a little bit. Um, but. There's not really a, whole, a lot of guys that I play with on, on the team here. I play with a lot of my college buddies. Yeah. Because uh, I try to use that time as kind of a disconnect. And as much as I love the guys up here, in my free time, I don't want to see you. Yeah, I, you're, spend, you're spending every day with them already. You might as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I don't want to listen to you scream in my ear for another three hours. Um, so that's what I kind of just connect with my guys back home. So... I, I will kind of play off the video game question. Um, you bumping your stats up and that'll be the show, or are we just rolling with what they're giving you? Uh, I know if I was in the game, I'd be I'd be the person going to the roster editor and just yeah, we're bumping these numbers up here. You're making yourself um, a ninety-five. <laughs> maybe not a ninety-five. I'm I, I'm not like if I, if my, I've seen myself in the game, I'm like a forty overall. Now we're bumping this up to at least like seventy-five. Like, come on, let's go bump this thing up. I mean, I'm putting myself on the big league roster too, because uh, why not? Uh, any, any experience, or are you just like, let's roll with it? I'm good enough as it is. We're rolling with this, uh, how they said it. I normally just roll with it. Um, I do 
that I'm waiting to get a 99 overall card sent to me from uh, Sony. They, I don't know if y'all have heard about it or if y'all are yeah. making up each other. The real 99 program. It's uh, It kind of comes with a cool emblem to where when you use it, the person you're playing knows that you're a professional baseball player. Um, so I'm waiting on that. And uh, once I get that in, I, I imagine I'll probably be stuck on MLB the show for a while. Yeah, there's actually someone uh, that works on this podcast too, Tim, who plays a lot. And he messaged us like a month ago because he was playing against the real uh, Vladdy Jr. So, uh, yeah, oh. he's, he's very familiar with that. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, he got his ass kicked. But <laughs> uh, Not a bad guy to lose to. <laughs> Yeah, the the video game discussion is a little lost on me. That's not that's not my world. But you mentioned uh, what is my world is you know baseball and the draft and stuff like that. You said you were following along, um, you know, yeah, probably yesterday today. Anything like you know how much of these guys is maybe the college guys you're familiar with? I mean, you're a couple of years removed from it now, but like um, anybody like stand out to you? Or uh, obviously, some the the Red Sox made some pretty interesting selections. A player that was in Kyle Teal was not really expected to fall to them at 14, but they got him like, how do you, how are you consuming the draft stuff and, and what interests you the most about it? Um, one, I just, I try to follow along, see if any of anybody I've played with anybody I know, uh, gets picked up. Um, I think Kyle Teal, I'm, that, that was obviously a great pick. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does with us. Uh, I mean, watching the dude play this year was so much fun. Uh, I'm huge college baseball consumer. I like, love watching the game. Um, what is his name? Do you say it? Nizan? The second Nizan, Yeah, Nizan Zanatello. Yeah. Uh, watching some of his highlights that they're showing, that's going to be fun to watch. It's electric, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, and then, you know, today, I think a lot of the arms we got, some, some of the lefties are going to be fun to watch. It's just, you know, it's always nice seeing some new guys having their dreams come true and, you know, start the pro ball grind. Uh, yeah. And so on that, the the draft point and, you know, Hunter asked you about the process of like the day of getting drafted, that kind of thing. And you were you were really, you know, excited to be drafted by the Red Sox. And there weren't a lot of it sounds like you said there were only two teams after like the second round that you would have you would have signed with. And the Red Sox are one of them. Um. I was interested in your college stats and I apologize. I may have accidentally said before that you went to A&M that was like, I should probably just like unplug and, and leave and, and, ju- and jump in, jump in, jump in the lake and, and forget that this podcast ever happened. <laughs> if, if I did say that, I apologize. Uh, obviously you went to Texas tech different in Lubbock, different part of the state. Um, the, when the Red Sox drafted you after, cause you obviously you got hurt. You had Tommy John, but before that, you had kind of done both starting and you had come out of the bullpen. And since you've been in, since you re- finished your rehab from Tommy John and came back, you've only been, you've only started. You've only, you, you were not coming out of the bullpen. Um, I'm really curious about when the, dis- if there were ever discussions with the Red Sox, either, whether it was at the, after the draft process or after maybe you were, you know, doing your rehab or you had finished your rehab about you know you're going to be a starter this is what we view for you like we're going to keep you on the starter like whatever the starter program is we view you as a starter we don't think that you're going to be a we don't want you to work through the minors as a reliever um well i'm just i'm really fascinated by that because i feel like the red Sox, at least the way that this front office works has had a pretty uh interesting viewpoint and attitude about um the guys that the pitchers that come in, especially from college that maybe have done stuff in the bullpen in college, but they view them as reliever as starters when they're, when they uh, start their pro careers. Uh, no, I've always been a starter, um, you know, kind of from the draft on, that was always the plan. Uh, I kind of got put in the bullpen at tech almost not as like necessity, but I was just behind three guys that were, absolutely dominant that year uh my freshman year we actually opened with a four game series against Oregon and I was supposed to start the fourth game it, unfortunately one I uh, got taken out by a portable mound and also it got rained out 
Uh, yeah, I, my number one enemy ever is portable mounds. I somehow <laughs> get hurt on them all the time. Oh, yeah, it sounds like a bummer. Like, so you you don't have to get into it if you don't want to. I just I, that is that's sounds really crappy. <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, I threw a pitch in my pregame, not pregame, but like a couple of days before touch and field bullpen and uh, rolled my ankle on the side of it and got a high ankle sprain. But it, like back to the rotation wise, it was like we had so many starters that were shoving uh, that I just kind of slid to the bullpen and, you know, is what it is. I ended up having a pretty solid year out of the pen, got to pitch in Omaha. That was awesome. And then the next year I was – the main thought process was I was a starter only, but I we felt like I didn't get as much quality work in a bullpen on the weekends as I would in inning, and so that's why my that COVID year you see some stats out of the bullpen was that was what I was using as my between starts uh, bullpen and kind of working on stuff was I just having any of relief. I got it. So yeah, yeah, it's just it's interesting and that that's really helpful good context cuz like the Red Sox the last couple of years, especially last year, and we'll see what ends up happening with some of the especially the college guys that they took this year. Uh, you know, two guys that you know, I'm sure you know uh, Dalton Rogers and and mm-hmm. and Noah Dean were both guys that were college relievers who that who the Red Sox both as, you know, lefties who the Red Sox saw something in and are like, "Okay, like we're going to have these guys start um, at least, you know, at this point in their, in their careers. Um, and I think that my viewpoint is that the, that the Red Sox as an organization feel like, um, you know, it's probably the best way to find value in the draft is if you, if you uh, can like identify guys that are relievers that you there's things about their pitch shape or, or their, uh, the way that they throw certain pitches and just think like, okay, like, yeah, we maybe that guy was used in the bullpen in college, but we think that they have the traits and the characteristics to to be to be starters as pros, or at the, like I said, at the very least, we're going to start them as starters in rookie ball in Salem, Greenville. Like make them make them prove to us that they can't start um, at a certain point. Um, so it's when I and and again, it sounds to me like for you, it was just there were reasons why you pitched in the bullpen at tech that were not necessarily because we think Hunter Dobbins is a reliever. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. Yeah. And you, uh, you mentioned pitching in Omaha. What was that like? Uh, that was unreal. Um, you know, I came in, I think in like the third inning or something like that uh, in our final game against Michigan and we ended up losing and getting knocked out, but just the, the opportunity to come out and uh, basically the final four game and pitch in front of the 25, 30,000 people that were there. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's definitely a little, little taste of what a big league game would feel like crowd wise. Um, and just that experience, I'll probably never forget it. I just, I remember the main thought was when I came out of the bullpen was don't trip <laughs> because that'd be a lot of people to trip and fall, especially being a freshman. I was as soon as I got to the mound, the nerves were gone because I was like, "All right, the hard part is over." <laughs> yeah, now you're just doing what you've done your whole life. Yeah, now it's just the same strike zone. You know, I didn't didn't fall, didn't eat it. We're good. <laughs> and okay, just- so removing that, removing getting drafted, and removing going like getting accepted to Texas Tech. What was what would you say is like the highlight of your career so far outside of like the big obvious ones um that's a good question i've never really even thought about it um i would probably say coming in uh to our conference game against oklahoma state uh cannot stand that place (laughs) um there was some stuff between me and some people over there. Um, so I came in and I believe, I don't know if I struck out the side, but I think I struck out at least two. I know I got the last guy. And the, our, if you know anything about Texas Tech, the, our entire university cannot stand Oklahoma State. 
So when I struck them out, uh, the stands kind of erupted. I kind of stared down their dugout as I walked in. And that was kind of, that was also the kind of the birthplace of me pitching with some attitude. Because uh, before then, I was the guy, whether I struck, uh, just struck out 10 guys or I just gave up 10 runs, I was just going to put my head down, walk to the dugout, and that was the end of it. Yeah. But uh, since that day forward, I've uh, uh, gotten a little bit more fiery as, as it goes on. And, you know, you can – if you look for it, especially in the live streams of our games now, you can – when I start rolling, you can kind of see it start coming out. Nothing wrong with that. The fans the fans love that. Every fan loves a good, a good hop off the mound after a strikeout. Absolutely. Or a Chris Troy banging of the chest. Yeah. <laughs> well, we talked to him about that and he said that your, your old pitching coach in Greenville, Bob Kipper kind of afterwards was like, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't really a fan of that. <laughs> but, yeah, but, it was one but, of those, uh, he's old school. Hey, that was awesome, but never do it again. <laughs> yeah. I, I do have to ask though, back to come out of the bullpen. You don't want to fall. If they, I, in the 2020, I think 2020 Olympics, they had the, uh, the bullpen cart. And they offered you the bullpen cart. Would you have taken the bullpen cart, or would you just been like, "I'll take my chances. I'm not tripping." Oh, absolutely, would have taken the cart. <laughs> that 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 is that is so me. I'd be like, I'd probably have my feet kicked up on the back of it and say, "Let's roll." <laughs> Definitely, um, I, I do want to ask uh, now that you know we are in this kind of break of the season and you know, a couple months left. Um, You've had a successful first half of the season, but start looking towards the second half. You know, what are things that maybe you look back at the first half and go, all right, this went good. Let's keep this going. But maybe a couple things you want to improve on or just in terms of expectations for the second half of the year. Um, just for you, for maybe it's for you. Maybe it's for, you know, the group as a whole in Portland. Maybe you're looking to, you know, make the double A playoffs and do that. Obviously, playing well obviously helps, too. Uh, just what are your kind of goals for the second half of the season? Um, my two big goals that I've already kind of thought about it and uh, kind of set is one is I want to get my walks back down to where I had them in, in Greenville, which, you know, towards the end. It's almost I, non-existent if we're being honest. Yeah, that, that that's where I want to get back to, um, you know, but I think that also comes with like what we talked about earlier is like, you know, I got to throw that third strike in the strike zone. They're not going to chase as much. Um, so walks down and uh, just continue putting my guys in, in the right opportunity to win the game. Uh, with the offense we have, which is insane here, if I can get out of a start with, you know, two or three runs or less, I'm putting our guys in, in the best spot I can. So just continue to do that, you know, stay healthy. You know, try to hit a 98-99, something cool like that, um, and just kind of keep rolling. I, I noticed that in your last start, you uh, it was the most pitches that you've thrown in a game this year. You threw 104 pitches. Was that like – so I was never – I never pitched. Like, I always – I always I, I always played – I was like – I was a very bad corner infielder for, for you know, 18 years. Uh, like – could you feel that at a certain point? Like you're like, was it in your mind that you were like, okay, like I'm getting close to hundred pitches now I'm over. Like, like, was that like, how did you feel? I guess also like as that start was, was continuing. And again, you pitched really well, you had 10 strikeouts and um, like you, you feel like you're at the point now where it's like, okay, I can, I can hit that plateau. I can hit that hundred and keep going. If I need to, I, I have enough in the tank. Uh, Yeah. It, it was actually funny. It was uh you know, kind of referencing that ego fastball I was talking about earlier. That was pitched, I want to say, like, 98 or 99. And it was one of my hardest of the day. Um, I'm definitely kind of one of those weird pitchers. The longer I throw, the better I feel. So, I was feeling great at the end. Obviously, you can't you can't uh, get two quick outs and then go single walk or single hit by pitch and then walk and expect not to get pulled out of the game at that point. Um, but I was feeling great. Uh, I think we're to that point of the year where we're built up enough where it might start happening a little more. Um, but overall, you know, 
this is the best I've ever felt. This is the strongest I've ever felt. And, you know, I'm hoping kind of after this break, you know, maybe this next outing, I think I pitch again on like the 21st. So I have a little break, a little extra break. Maybe I uh, can reach back and start flashing some, some new numbers that I haven't gotten to see. Love to see it. Trying to reach 100. You know, that'd be cool. Uh, (laughs) You know, if I can, uh, my main goal is I want to have the fastball consistently sit at 95.5 or higher. Uh, So far this year, my average is at 95.1. So just throw throw a few harder fastballs more consistently, and that'll be a goal hit. You're influenced by uh, by seeing Luis Guerrero hit triple digits in the Futures game, <laughs> possibly. Oh, that, was, that was insane. That's That guy has the work ethic that I've never seen before, and it's it's cool to see all that paying off for him. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing story, you know, just w- the stuff that he's overcome to get to this point um, and, and that he – that he lives with, that he pitches with. It's, it's incredible. Um, and again, being a kid from, from Boston who grew up in Boston, like everybody, trust me, like everybody that is a Red Sox fan that follows the minor leagues is, is pulling for Luis Guerrero and, and wants to see him in the big leagues. We want to see all of you guys in the big leagues, but he's just like a, he's a, he's a special story. Um, oh, absolutely. and we're, we're, we're thrilled for him. Um, but on that question, I guess a, a question I would ask you is guys that maybe you've pitched with this year, or at all kind of in the minor league system. If there is, I think we might've asked CT a similar question to this, or I may have heard this question asked, like, is there a, like, if you could have anyone else's like pitch, like if there's a pitch that, and that anyone else uh, uh, has that you wish you had, uh, what would it be? Oh, one would be a Wickelman's curveball. Uh, that, that thing is, I I played catch with him and I can, I know it's coming and I still almost whiff on it every time. Um, but then I would say either Gambrell or Van Bell's changeup. Both of their changeups are just insane and they both command it so well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was Derek's question, I believe to, to CT. Uh, you were talking about, uh, you brought up the um, Jake brought up how you threw over 100 pitches last time. And we saw speaking of Gambro, we saw him go a career high eight innings his last time out. And something with you is uh, outside of your first start of the year, which again, coming back from injury, like there was a lot of factors into that first start of the year. You've thrown at least five innings every time uh, you've thrown six innings a couple times. You, you threw seven innings twice. Is that like something that you want to keep built? Like, is there like that internal, competitor side of you that like all right grant went out there and got eight innings i can go out there and get eight innings or is it just kind of you're building off your own thing and you're just kind of you want to go out there and and get your team five plus innings every time or is there that like little bit of competitive side of you that's like i can do that too uh absolutely there's always going to be that little bit of you know now i saw his success and he went eight now it was absolutely fun to watch uh especially seeing like he threw like 30 pitches in the first inning and then the rest of the game, they just could not figure it out. And it was so much fun to watch. Um, but my, I try to keep everything kind of focused on what I'm doing, uh, my process. You know, uh, if I can go out there and record a quality start every single time, that's my goal. Because if I'm doing that, most likely I'm putting the team in a great position to win a ball game. Yeah. Um, but I think – yeah, just, I've always kind of had that mindset of, you know what, if you're going to get me, you better get me in the first or second because once I hit the third and on, I'm going to be in a groove and I'm going to be rolling. Um, and so it's, you know, my my main benchmark every game is, you know what, I'm going to go out there and pitch and be competitive the whole game, obviously, but the, if I can get to that third inning without giving up any runs, it's going to be a great day. And that's kind of been my mentality and it's been working um, outside of obviously, like you said, that first one where I think I had more hit batters than strikeouts, which was a weird game. I think I had 
I hit two guys, walked three, and had a no hitter through the fourth or something <laughs> weird like that. <laughs> but yeah. So just, uh, if you hit everyone, but you throw a no hitter, are you going to be happy with it? Probably not. <laughs> you know, that, that, that leads to that uh, no hitter where I lose like two to nothing or something like that. <laughs> but, but yeah, just, you know, five, my, my main benchmarks every game is five innings or more. And I want uh, one or less walks. Yeah, I, I think that's all. I know a big thing for you and definitely in high this year was limiting walks. Um, not me, but I know there are is a portion, a minority, very vocal portion of the Red Sox fan base. If you look on social media, that hey, as any time a pitcher walks a guy, they just start losing their mind. Um, so for Red Sox fans, you maybe don't know who Hunter Dobbins is. He doesn't walk guys. So there you go. Um, but how big of that of of your game is it that you know that you can go into a start and you know you or your ability to I know you've like you said you've walked a couple more guns in double A and your double A starts and you did in high A um, and a lot of that is adjustment to double A but how how do you feel it is a big part of that how big of oh my gosh she's how big of a vocabulary is not my strong suit okay how big <laughs> a part of your game is it that do you think that your ability to limit walks limit the free passes where they got, if you guys are going to get on base, you they have to work and actually get a hit instead of just getting a free pass and not just getting on base kind of – not necessarily – I wouldn't say easy, but at the same time, you know, a free pass sometimes can be easier to get than a hit. Um, it, it's a huge part, you know. Um, I, I think I've said it before in interviews. Like, I'm – I am very new to this being a power pitcher uh, type guy. Uh, I – 95% of my pitching career, I've been the guy I'm going to kind of hit the corner. I'm going to go up, down, in and out. I'm going to make you swing the bat. Uh, where now it's, you know, I've kind of kept that same mentality of I'm coming in the strike zone. I'm going to throw all of my pitches in there. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to make you earn it. And hitters know that. That's why you'll see a lot of, like, I think – Four, three or four times so far this year, I've given up a hit first pitch because they know that's a guaranteed uh, fastball. It's going to be in the strike zone 99% of the time. Uh, and it's just like, I just believe that my stuff is good enough to beat you, even though you know it's going to be in the strike zone. And do you think maybe sometimes adjustments, like maybe not always on first pitch fastball, I think that helps. Also, do you think it helps maybe keep your pitch count down because – you know, some a lot of times you might see a pitcher go, you know, 100 pitches, but they're barely getting through the fifth inning. Do you think, uh, you know, having that ability to say, you know, I'm going to throw it in the strike zone, maybe you get a hit the first pitch, but more so hoping if you do get in contact, maybe it's a ground out or a pop out or something. Do you think that helps your pitch count? Because one pitch is less than three, and three is the least you can on pitches for a strikeout. Absolutely. Uh, not being afraid of contact is another huge part of my game. Uh, my – Weak contact rate this year has gone up quite a bit. Uh, I think last year I was just allergic to missing the barrel because uh, they, they found it pretty often. But this year, just just going right at them, especially with the new heater, uh, it's cutting more, riding more, the splitter. I'm finding kind of I'm getting a lot more off the end of the bat, off the handle, and it, it's definitely helping the pitch count stay down. Yeah, and you, you know, you're also the beneficiary of having very good defenders behind you uh, where you've been, especially having, you know, like Meyer at shortstop, who just makes everything look so easy. Um, you know, I, I had the chance to see him uh, when you guys were in New Ham when you guys were in, in Manchester last week or week before. I mi I missed you by one day. I saw I was at the doubleheader where where Gambrell pitched the first one. I think he, I think you were originally scheduled to pitch one of those games because of the rainouts and stuff. They moved you back a day. So I missed you, but um, you know, just seeing Meyer just like do every, make everything look so easy. uh was just incredible. And then un unfortunately right now you don't, you don't have Raphael. I hope. Yeah. That must've been eventually, eventually you soon, starts with him. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say you, someone hit something in the massive radius of the outfield in the middle. No one's going to eat. Everything's mm -hmm. going to get caught. Um. 
but that's got to be a huge plus too is and and you've had other guys you know you, there's other guys obviously too uh you know philip sykes and and these guys are are, are good defense nick york who doesn't we we're big advocates on this podcast about nick york's second base defense which gets knocked at the at the national and even the local level but we we all agree to a person that he is a big league second baseman um and you and other guys too so that's got to be having the like good having swing and miss stuff is one thing but then having being able to sort of elicit weak contact or give up contact in general and knowing that you have a good defense behind you has to give you a lot more confidence to be able to put the pitches wherever you want it um wherever you need to put it absolutely um you know it it, as a pitcher especially a starter and you're like all right i need to go five plus i can't try to strike every every batter out and so like i'm just gonna go right at this guy and knowing Cello, Midroth, York, I mean, Nico, Benelis, literally just the long list of guys that we have up here in, and in Greenville, it's like, you know what? Even if you do hit this in the off chance, I don't think you're good enough to get it by my guys. And nice. it was funny. It was uh, when Cello was down in Greenville with me. Um, oh, I can't remember which start it was. But I think we had three double play balls in two innings, or obviously not two innings, but three innings, and it was, it was like automatic. It was as soon as off the bat, I was walking to the dugout. So I was like, "Well, we yeah. got it," and it's just, especially having York here, uh, this is actually kind of a it was a pretty cool moment. Was York was having a rough day at the plate, um, which. I think the next day B hit like a double off the wall, which made his day even better. But I looked at him and was like, hey, man, like, like we got this. Let's keep rolling. He goes, oh, don't worry. I'm going to make every play for you. And I, I looked at him and was like, I know you will. Let's, let's roll. And I think the very next inning he got, I think it was like 100 off the bat, short hopper, and he made the play look easy. I'm like, yep, that, that, that's my guys back there. I'll, I'll take them over anybody any day. Yeah, yeah and, and uh, sticking with that defense, I know a lot of pitchers sometimes aren't the best at hiding their emotions when the defense does let them down. Is that something that, like, does that get to you if, like, you get a get – a, maybe there's a, a crappy little hit and then the next batter is a, a tailor-made double play and someone messes it up? Is that something that, like, gets in your head now where – I know they say sometimes pitchers will be like, all right, well, now i got to strike people out. Or do you say, like, uh, whatever it happens, I still trust that guy to make the play the next time out? Um, more of the second one. Uh, I think being a former third baseman, um, I, I kind of realized like, Hey, what they do is extremely hard. And, you know, if I don't give up that hit, I don't put them in that position anyways. So it's, I always like to think that they're not to blame. Let's, you know, get the ball back to me. I'm going to get right back up there and expect another one coming and let's get the next one. You know, it's, uh, I, I try to, I try my best to keep my body language positive because uh, no one wants to see their pitcher up there showing them up. And, yeah. you know, I same thing for them. I, I feel like if I give them that respect, if I give up a two-run bomb in a big spot, you know, I'd fully expect them to be like, hey, man, you're good. Make the next pitch. Flush it. Let's, let's roll. Yeah. And is that is yeah. that how you feel the mentality has been around the – like it hey, – I'm not obviously I'm not going to ask you to call anyone out, but have there been like teammates in the minors where like you feel like they haven't given players that respect where it's like, like you kind of don't like that attitude of someone gives up a big hit or someone botches a play and you feel like that player was an issue? Or do you think it's mainly been just a, a lot of, you know, camaraderie, a lot of teammates trying to lift each other up? Um, we, we've stuck together really well. Um, I'd say there's probably a couple times like in Salem where we had just a couple guys that were just really young and I mean inexperienced and you know they yeah. needed guys to kind of teach them teach them the ropes and I mean we all go through that. Uh, I mean that's the great thing about being young in pro baseball is you get to yeah. learn from guys who've been playing longer than you have. And um, is that something you took seriously, like as a college player and you're in Salem for a couple months and you're playing with you know eighteen, nineteen year olds from high school? Is that like a a role you took seriously as like the, I don't want to call you the veteran because you were still very young, but the, 
the elder, one of the elder guys on the team that kind of can say like, Hey, this is, this is how you should conduct yourself. This is how we do things. Uh, yeah, I, I did my best. Uh, once I settled in and kind of got up there and got to know some of the guys, um, I then realized just how old I was compared to a lot of the guys there. <laughs> um, so, but I definitely, I tried to, especially the pitching staff, um, like I, if there was anything any of them needed, or even if they just needed someone to kind of lead by example and just show them like, Hey, this is just how you get your stuff done on a daily basis. Yeah. I tried to be that guy. Um, and I, I hope, you know, I don't know for sure, but I, I hope some of the guys took something away from last year. Uh, definitely. Um, Hunter, do you have anything, or Hunter Dobbins, uh, do you have anything uh, else you want to add before we wrap this thing up? Uh, I think I'm good. All right. Um, I think that's a good place to stop, though. Um, about an hour or so, um, we appreciate you taking time out of your day um, and out of your break from the minor leagues uh, for this week or so to talk to us and make time for us. So we very much appreciate that. Um, for Jake, for Hunter, my name is Derek. Thanks for tuning in to the Pesky Report, and we will see you next time.